0: The Truth News Network. A virus surfaces and the elites shut down the world with a cocktail of lies, deceptions, pressures, threats, and violence, locking up the tellers of truth like political prisoners of the Cold War. Well, here we are, telling the truth, fighting the fight, the lies, the deception. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your fearless
1: leader is Dan Newman. And yes, today we're fighting a war. (laughs) I mean, I can't describe it in any other way, folks. Can you believe what we're having to deal with every day from all kinds of powers from outside of our state in which we live, outside of our country in which we live? But many times... From the inside, and I got to be honest with you, that's got to be the worst kind of fight to fight. Just think back in your personal history when maybe in your immediate family, you have wars going on, conflicts, personality, all those kinds of things. Think about this one horrible fact that about 50% of all marriages in the United States end in divorce. It happened in my family. I was 15 when my parents split. And I see it all the time, and it's so sad because the greatest community in the world, period, is the family. And when a family breaks up, it just brings all kinds of chaos and heartache and divisiveness and just all kinds of anger. Nobody wins in that, ever. But it's similar in every other aspect of our life. You know, it's one thing to confront conflict and then to handle conflict that conflict, and there are so many people among us that find the easiest way to not have to deal with something is just to act like it's not there, not even a problem, it's not there. In our nation today, sadly, we're experiencing such a conflict, and it has so polarized all of us in the United States that we find ourselves, every one of us, taking sides, taking sides, Sadly, I look back at the campaign of then-candidate Joe Biden running for president, running against Donald Trump, and I remember all through the Biden campaign, when he was doing his political talking points, he so demonstrably said over and over and over again, I don't want to be president of the Democrat Party, I want to be president of the United States of America, all Americans. I want to bring this nation together. And why it's sad is because pretty much everything we've seen in the Biden administration speaks exactly opposite that. So just one little thing that Joe Biden inherited from the Donald Trump administration is all the chaos, all the debacle that's woven in together in the COVID-19 thing. It's taken over not just the United States, but the world. And it's visited my state, my home state, Louisiana. You probably have heard this story or heard about it at least when the largest hospital chain in Louisiana decided to go out in their mobile vans to schools, public schools in the area, and give kids, students, vaccinations, COVID-19 vaccinations. One such incident happened a few weeks ago in New Orleans at East Jefferson High School. And joining us this morning are two people that are playing into that debacle that happened, Jennifer Revain and her attorney. Good morning. We're on the phone today with Jennifer Revain from the greater New Orleans area and her attorney, Shelly Maturin from Lafayette, Louisiana, my hometown. Good morning to both of you.
2: Good morning. Good, Good
3: morning, Dan. Thank you for having us.
1: Glad you could come aboard. You guys have been through a lot and uh, there's a lot on your plate. The big piece here is what has happened to Jennifer's son, Jason. And Jennifer, just give us the layout of exactly what happened at East Jeff, East Jefferson High School, and the circumstances surrounding what happened there.
2: Okay, so he went to school as usual, and basically, which I had found out later was um, our Oxford Medical Center. Uh, they were doing their vaccine, their mobile vaccine service, which they had previously done. It's something, I don't know if I'd say new or not, that they're doing, so it is common. Um, they went to the school, and I proceeded to vaccine without my, without my knowledge, without anything. I found out more details Later in the day, um, after he was picked up from school, due to that fact that he was given the vaccine, and I said, "You got what?" (laughs) He said, "They vaccinated me at school today with the Pfizer um, vaccine." I said, "Oh, okay." So, and then it all just went from there. So, I immediately, I was at work, and I immediately left, and I went straight to school. And they were, they weren't aware that this happened. Um, although it did happen on school campus, they weren't, as a matter of fact, several of the faculty wasn't even aware that uh, Osner was supposed to be going there that day to give vaccines. So I did address it with them. I did bring it to their attention. Um, they of course were upset to hear that immediately. Um, so yeah, they they didn't even know that this happened. Okay. So after that, I called Osner Medical Center and I spoke with somebody in the patient advocacy department, and I said, uh, my son was vaccinated today without my knowledge, my consent, without anything, and they told me, oh, we do, you did consent to this, and I said, "I I certainly did not, and they said, well, we have a consent on file. So, long story short here, I told them that I wanted to see a copy of this so-called consent that I signed. So, I went through, you know, the protocol to get a copy of the medical record, and sure enough, I did not consent. So I called them back and I said, like I said, I did not consent to this. I nor would I have even known had my son not told me. So what happened was he was told, not to mention the fact that he even asked if a consent was required, he was told to just sign his name where my name, where my criminal signature would go and then print his name at the bottom. So in doing so, and I just want to make this clear here, he, when they came to school, they made an announcement that Mobile was, that um, Ash Mogul was there given the vaccines, um, because uh, several students had previously had their vaccines, they were getting their second. Dose. These students did have consent, parent consents on file from their first vaccines. So Jason went over there, not with the intent to get the vaccine, but just kind of moseyed over there a little bit, kind of like seeing what was going on. Um, and they told him they were giving vaccines. Now, I haven't had that heart-to-heart conversation with him yet about this vaccination like I did with, you know, drugs or anything else if anybody offers you anything you know you always say no because not in my wildest dreams that i imagine i would have to have a talk like this with him getting vaccinated at school from a hospital system he went over there you know he he knows about the um, vaccines and all but he isn't as aware of it as one should be but he thought he was going to bring the paper home to me and then if i signed it go back a month from then To get his vaccination, which I wouldn't have had him do that anyway, because if and when I chose to get him vaccinated, I would have done it with his pediatrician and I would have been there with him in case he had any reaction to it. So when he was doing this, you know, they were just kind of telling him how good it is. And they're like, well, you can just get the shot right now. And he was like, what? He's like, I thought it would be like a month from now, you know, after him and I spoke and everything. She goes, well, no, you'll come back for your second dose in a month. And, you know, and I said, well, Jason, you know, so I just want to be clear here also that he did not forge my signature. I know there's a lot of false news going around, misconceptions of this. It's fake news. My signature is nowhere on this authorization. He was just, he's very innocent in it. Like, he didn't know any better. He's a 16-year-old. I thought, you know, this is, I thought they knew what they were doing. I said, okay, well, you have a point. But but I in no way, shape or form hold him responsible for this. Had he been explained the risks in it, you know, all the negative side effects that could have happened, you know, which is something that I was going to do with him, um, you know, then he probably would have on his own said no I don't want to get it but then again he it was almost as if he didn't feel pressured but he just felt like kind of like on the spot they didn't ask him for any medical information like mind you that that's one of oh, that makes me so upset they have no idea his medical history not one single piece of information of his medical history since he's been born and that was nothing against in itself. We just never had any dealings with Asher before. So they had no medical information on him. How did they know the reason he wasn't vaccinated is because he had a condition that he that you know would have prevented them from getting the vaccine. Sure. Now, they had no idea what they were doing.
1: How and when did it escalate to the next level?
2: I because I use social media and I'm so upset and While I'm a mama bear, like my children are my entire world. So I did a a social media post, making parents aware. This is what happened. This is what can happen. This is what's going on. So please be aware of this. From that post, people started commenting, people started sharing, and that's how it just kind of got out from there.
1: So attorney Shelly Maturin from Lafayette. How did you get involved in this case, Shelley? Well,
3: I've had some, <clears throat> some dealings with Oshner uh, in the recent past. Uh, I'm one of the attorneys who's a lawsuit against Oshner down in Lafayette, Louisiana, over the nursing mandate issue. Uh, and there are some groups out there that are aware of my involvement and what's happening. Uh, and Jennifer reached out to one of those groups, uh, and they put the two of us in touch. And we've, we've kind of taken it from there. I um, actually put the suit in the mail uh, just past Thursday, and we're waiting for them to get served and begin the litigation
1: process. So in this case that you guys have filed against Ochsner Medical Center, which, by the way, I need to mention it's the largest hospital system in the state of Louisiana, obviously they haven't responded yet, but this has been all over the news, not just in the state of Louisiana. But nationwide, I actually heard about it. I got a call from a friend in uh, Long Beach, California, that asked me if I had heard about it. So it's, it's a big thing because it affects, it impacts millions of Americans. Anybody that has a child today in this environment in which we're living in, that uh, vaccines and the necessity, quote-unquote necessity, for these COVID-19 vaccinations are being shoved down the throats of every American. What can be done legally based upon Louisiana law and federal law about what happened?
3: We filed in state court uh, down in Parish, uh, uh, and we've alleged various causes of action. Uh, one of those is intentional infliction of emotional distress uh, on behalf of Jennifer. Uh, the other is uh, something that uh, is probably gonna create uh, some precedents here in, in the state, and that is for a stolen parental right. Uh, that right has been completely taken away from her. I'm not aware of any other cases that have, have occurred in Louisiana in the past related to this, but um, it's something I, I feel very strongly about and that needs to be uh, brought to the, brought to the front forefront. What happened to, to Jennifer and Jason is, uh, is a symptom of a much larger issue going on in the country today. We are seeing uh, this growing problem around the country. Not just in the case of student vaccination or or underage vaccination, but you got employees in in various professions around the country that are being forced to either get vaccinated or uh, they're going to be fired. Uh, And you're seeing those battles waged throughout the country right now.
1: Were you a little bit shocked at what happened with the Texas case, where the Texas government passed a rule saying that no corporation could force employees to be vaccinated, uh, and then... The Biden administration, the Department of Justice, filed in federal court to get that stayed and then Texas took it to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is probably just down the road from where Jennifer is right now in New Orleans. And then they issued a stay, leaving that Texas law in place at least temporarily only on Monday of this week after they issued the stay on Saturday. The Biden administration told everybody to ignore what the federal court, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, said, and continue to force your employees to be vaccinated.
3: Dan, I, I can tell you from a, and this is this is a purely political uh, opinion on, on, on my part. You know, it, it, it doesn't. I'm I'm 50 years age, and it doesn't surprise me that that this administration uh, is acting in such a lawless manner. Uh, but but let's be honest, Dan. As a constitutional conservative, I've been so disappointed with the Republican Party, not only locally in our state, but nationally as well. The government has turned into a hydra, where if you you cut off one head, it sprouts 10 more. What you're going to have to happen, what you're getting ready to see come about, I think, is a true collision, a constitutional crisis, where you're going to have uh, federal law butting up against uh, state law and whether or not states actually have any rights. Uh, You know, you've got a a governor down in Florida uh, and one in Texas who is actually trying to to stand up for the rights of their citizen. Uh, Hopefully we see that more and more, but what you saw happen in Virginia, for example, uh, in the recent gubernatorial election, that was not as a result of the GOP or any efforts that the Republican Party made down there. That was because of a group of parents who were so angry and so mortified by statements that uh, that Terry McAuliffe made where, you know, your children don't belong to you, essentially. I don't see where voting uh, is going to get us out of the the quagmire that we're getting.
1: Government is getting too big, and this was established to be a, a nation that is to be governed, be governance of the people, by the people, and for the people, and none of that exists anymore it's top down it's not people up and this is a prime example of where this government this administration has the power to do this but worse than that they think it's okay and jennifer look what happened to you nobody called you they didn't they didn't even think about getting parental consent they just thought about we got to push out these vaccines And we have the power to do it, so we're going to go ahead and do it. How does that make you feel that your government, now I I have no idea what your political stance is, and I'm not asking you to tell me, but I'm a conservative. I'm not a registered Republican because I, just like Shelley, I think the GOP has pretty much deserted me as a Louisiana citizen and as a citizen of the United States, but that's my opinion. But in the context of what's happening in yours and Jason's life, how does Mama Bear feel about what the government is allowing to do? Ashners wouldn't have done this unless they had a green light from somebody in politics above them.
2: Mama Bear very extremely angry because this is my baby. This is my child. You have no rights to him whatsoever. Do not touch my child. And so, how dare you? I don't care who you are. You never touch myself or make a medical decision, any kind of decision on behalf of one of my children or me. I do that.
1: There are so many moving parts in this process. Jennifer and Shelly, we could stay on the phone for hours and talk it through. But Jennifer, I want to tell you, I've got a lot of respect for you, sticking up for what's right. You, just like all those moms and dads up in Virginia that Shelly mentioned, that went to these school board meetings in Loudoun County, regarding critical race theory and all kinds of other top-down stuff that they didn't even know was going on in their own school system.
2: You don't know what's going to happen to your children at school now.
1: You have no idea, and that is scary for moms and dads. Kids don't even understand what's going on. They're not supposed to, at this age, have to be making medical decisions on their own. Medical
2: decisions. Exactly. That's what they have. Parents for. that's what we are for—to protect them and take care of them and make these decisions, these best decisions for them, their children.
1: Shelley, do you have any concept of timing when this is going to get back in the public eye? When Oshner is going to uh, do what they're going to do?
3: Since the suit was just filed on Monday, they're going to have to get served. We've, we filed a suit against Oshner, uh, East Jefferson High School, uh, and the and the uh, Jefferson Parish School Board. Uh, so they're gonna have to get served with a suit. That may take another thirty days or so. Uh, yeah. and then once they get served they'll they'll file their answers and we'll we'll get after it. I'm imagining but anywhere between thirty to sixty days from now we'll we'll get more more clarity on the situation in terms of the, the legal avenues we'll pursue.
1: Jennifer, I wanna say I have great respect for you as a mom, um, as a parent. There comes a lot of responsibility, and somebody's taking an advantage of your kids, and you're not standing and letting it happen. I've got a lot of respect for you. I'm not anti-vax,
2: but when it comes to my children, when it comes to things like this and medical decisions with my children, I need as close to 100% accurate information as possible.
1: All I can say is stick to your guns. You're a mama bear. I like that. You you portrayed yourself as a mama bear. Stick to it. Thank you so yeah, much, Jennifer. It's just not okay. That's just the beginning of this, folks. There's a whole lot more to this. This story, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, her attorney, you just heard him. He's still on the line, Shelly Maturin. He is part of that massive case against the federal government, for the OSHA vaccine mandates. It's amazing what's going on. We hear in part about all of this, but we don't very often get firsthand the nitty-gritty details. Attorney Shelley Maturin, back after this.
0: What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more, and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Howdy. The streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. (laughs) Well, that's the Disney Bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+, Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney Bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit
1: thedisneybundle.com for details. Hey folks, don't forget this show in its entirety, you can grab it right after the show was over. Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast pick it up. And so how to get to that, just go on your iPhone or go on your, um, your uh, laptop, your computer. And in the search bar, do Apple Podcast and then put in the name of the show. And if you don't know the formal name of the show, it's T-N-N Live. It's all you have to do. Every show pops up, and the most recent show is always at the top of the index. So as soon as this show is over today, five minutes or so later, you can go grab those podcasts. We're back with Shelley Matruin from Lafayette. He's the attorney for Jennifer Ravain, uh, whose son, Jason, was vaccinated in New Orleans at his high school without parental permission. In fact, Mom, Jennifer, didn't know anything about it until after the fact. But, Shelley, you're involved with Ochsner Medical Center on another level, and I wanted you to tell our folks exactly what's going on at that level.
3: So, uh, I'm one of uh, four attorneys uh, who are representing groups of nurses, both down here in Lafayette, where I am, and up in North Louisiana, in Shreveport, Monroe, uh, against vaccine mandates that have been instituted by Ochsner and uh, uh, the Our Lady Lord system here uh, in Lafayette as well. Uh, Jimmy Faircloth uh, is the lead counsel. Uh Jimmy's, Jimmy's brilliant, uh, and Angie and Carrie Bryson are the other two attorneys who are based out of here, uh, by, based out of Lafayette. They're assisting on the case, and you know, it is it is something we, we feel passionate about, uh, and we are continuing to fight. We'll continue to fight until at least, and this is my point of view, till the last drop of blood seeps from my body. I will continue to fight for the nurses, for people like Jennifer anybody in this state who needs assistance and I'm able to give it, then I'll, then I'll give it to them. Uh, as far as the nursing uh, suits go, we filed suits down here in Lafayette against Ochsner and Lourdes. Uh, both suits were kicked out uh, on different legal, legal grounds. Uh, the suit against Oshner was kicked out on what's called an exception of no cause of action. Uh, essentially, uh, the, the, uh, Oshner was saying that these are uh, their private employer, these are at-will employees, uh, and they can be fired for uh, any reason, uh, uh, just like the employees reason. We have asserted uh, strictly Louisiana constitutional rights. Uh, under the Louisiana Constitution, uh, you have the right uh, to privacy. And the Louisiana Supreme Court uh, in 1989, in the case Hall of specifically recognized that that right to privacy includes the right to refuse medical care and or treatment um and the law and that's that's the law in Louisiana based on the Supreme Court's ruling uh the court here in, in Lafayette uh, disagreed uh kicked it out so we took an appeal to the Louisiana Supreme Court uh subsequently we filed a suit up in Shreveport and in Monroe against uh, the Oser systems there. Both courts uh kicked the case out on the same except for no cause of action but fortunately the Louisiana Second Circuit Court of Appeal, uh, reversed uh, inter- and ordered the court in Shreveport to enter the TRO, the restraining order, uh, and to stop the mandate from going forward until they could actually take evidence. Uh, and that that trial was supposed to occur this past Tuesday in Shreveport. Uh, and as you alluded to earlier, we were going to have Dr. Uh, Peter McAuliffe, uh testify for us uh, uh, via Zoom. Um, but Saturday uh, evening, about 8 o'clock, we got an order from the Louisiana Supreme Court uh staying all proceedings uh in the shreveport uh north louisiana litigation uh no, no rationale behind it and, and no reasoning uh my guess is that they are reacting to happen in the u.s Fifth Circuit court of appeals on friday when that court entered the tro uh against osha mandate uh, one of the main problems is that the the, the case that was appealed from the third of appeal has been up with the Supreme Court for quite some time now. So while we have plaintiffs up in North Louisiana who are protected by the restraining order uh, that's in place, uh, we have plaintiffs down here, nurses down here, who are on the front lines from the very beginning of this uh, alleged pandemic, and they are now uh, being forced to comply or be terminated.
1: Well, I know you guys are on top of it. I know the Brysons, they're really good at what they do, and you've got a great reputation in the state here, so I'm I'm sure your clients have great representation. The problem you guys face, and I don't need to tell you this, I'm saying this primarily for our audience, the legal system is so deep and wide and so full of so many opportunities to really mess with the people Who are involved in these cases when they go after big government or big institutions i hope you guys have the wherewithal and it sounds to me like you have the energy and you're going to push this thing all the way through to get the right thing done
3: absolutely you know hopefully uh the litigation goes well in the uh in the the osha uh case i did see where uh maybe 13 states filed suit on wednesday against the cms mandate so uh You know, there's going to be, it's just a mess right
4: now.
3: All all it would take is for the judiciary to follow the law. That's really all it takes.
1: Novel idea. You take an oath (laughs) to serve and protect and to hold all of the laws of the nation and make sure they're enforced according to the laws themselves. And then they just decide they're not going to do it, and they cherry-pick the ones that they say it's okay to forget about.
3: Well, and, and you're, you're right about that, and here's something for your listeners to, to really ponder and think about. What do you do or what do you have when you have a completely unconstitutional entity such as OSHA? There's no authority for it in the Constitution whatsoever, and you've got a Congress who has abrogated their constitutional authority by creating these uh, these other uh, entities, uh, and they are actually legislating we can't do that there's no there's no warrant for it in the constitution
1: Shelley, thank you for your time thanks for the help that you're giving to Jennifer I know you I don't need to say this but stay on top of it all and if you need our mouthpiece it's yours give us a give us Why? a jingle thank you sir talk soon thank you Dan this is amazing folks I um, I'm not a mother I'm a father I have three children uh, have six grandchildren a wonderful young people all six of them and including their moms and dads and I just can't imagine after thinking through this whole process and reading more details about this particular case and how it's being handled I mean you just heard Shelley tell us it's at the national level we've heard about it at the national level New Orleans is not one of the monster cities in the nation like New York, Manhattan, Chicago, Los Angeles, even Houston or Dallas. But it's a big city. But it doesn't matter if it's happening in a big city or a little town or village, if it's happening in a metropolitan area or out amongst the mid level of the midpoint of the United States. If it's happening, it's happening to Americans. And sadly, it's happening at the hands of people that are in different powers, different levels of authority. And whereas our forefathers, when they penned the Constitution, they wrote the Declaration of Independence first, and then penned the Constitution, and then came back and adjusted it in the early going to make sure everything was covered and that it was okay. You know the most important parts of the U.S. Constitution, the ones that our forefathers went back to quote-unquote fix almost before it was ever created? It was the first ten amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Do you know what those were? They weren't telling the American people with those ten amendments what American people can do and what they can't do. Those ten amendments were addressed directly at the federal government of the United States, informing the government and restating what's in all of the other articles and amendments in the Constitution. The Constitution is government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And they were doing that because they had come here from a a place in Europe where it was top-down only. The people in those countries in Europe that they fleded from had very little, if any say so, at the governing over them. It was expressly held at the top of society in all those countries by a small group of very powerful people that never really thought about the people they were governing over. Everything started and stopped with what's best for the people at the top. Does that sound a little eerily familiar to what we're looking at right now happening in our nation? In retrospect, over, over the last couple of days when I've been researching all of this stuff and getting ready to speak with Jennifer and Shelley, I began to think of what can we do? What can we do? What are our options in the nation as U.S. citizens? I got to be honest with you, we've become so lulled to sleep and we're, we're dozing. We're not in hard, you know, the two different kinds of sleep, the kind where you're just in and out, you're still conscious thinking about it, or the level of sleep where you're just out cold. I don't think most Americans are out cold, but I think pretty much all of us are guilty of snoozing and we're letting outside influences, you know, affect us. But we've always had people that we were confident with that would protect us and keep the bad stuff from really getting down at the ground level where we live. But I don't know about you, but I never thought, I never gave a second's thought until, I guess, the last 10 or 15 years that we could really see ourselves in a situation where we are being governed and controlled by either a straight, hard-cold, totalitarian government, if not that, a group of people that have seized a bunch of power and are wielding their power, stumming their noses at our federal laws. Now that last sentence, stumming their noses at our federal law. When did this begin to happen? Oh, it's rampant now. Do you remember Eric Holder, Barack Obama's first attorney general? You remember Congress, through the years, they create, they craft, they debate, they even get laws passed that are signed into law, and then they're changed later with amendments that come through the Congress. Congress represent the American people. That's the way it's supposed to happen. So our members in Congress crafted a lot of laws concerning guns, And the use of guns, who can, who can't, what can be done, what can't be done, and that's the way it's supposed to happen. Gun laws, many of them, most of them through the years have found their way being tested in courts all the way from the state district court level on up through the state appeals courts, then find their way into the federal system, and many of them find their way before the U.S. Supreme Court. That process really works well when it's used. But instead of doing governing by the government body, the United States Congress, Barack Obama wasn't the first, but he was one of the first that figured out a way, hey, I can't legislate and I can't get the United States Congress to do some things that I want them to do and to stop some things that I don't agree with. So I'm going to try this. So I'm paraphrasing, I'm just imagining what happened. He gets Eric Holder on the phone, as attorney general. They're very close friends anyway. Hey Eric. You know, I believe in marijuana. I think it's okay. And I think the laws that are in place regarding and regulating the use and the possession of marijuana, I don't think I don't like them. Even though they they were passed through the people's house and then confirmed in the Senate and then signed into law. I think we need to get that changed. I can't get Congress to work with me. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to notify everybody in the Department of Justice, all the way down, from the FBI on down. When you get involved in a case, when they get involved in a case regarding drug possession of marijuana, we're not going to enforce those federal laws. Bam, just like that. And you know what? That's what began to happen. Now think about the conundrum that put across the... The, 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 the states for everybody, because all 50 states, states have marijuana possession and other types of illegal drugs possession and distribution laws. And so here you have the president of the United States and the attorney general. They're sending out a message to the nation. Hey, the feds, your government in D.C., We're not going to follow the federal laws that your representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate, passed, and previous presidents signed into law. We're thumbing our nose at those. That was only the beginning. The president in between Obama and Biden, Donald Trump, came in. And in spite of everything we hear about how horrible he was, in spite of the way you may feel about the way he messaged and some of the things that he said, which I personally disagreed with and do to this day, the substance of what he said when he was campaigning, it equaled exactly what he did and attempted to do while he was in the White House. And who did that hack off? Oh, my gosh. Everybody on the left, everybody from the bureaucracy that has become Washington, D.C., and many of them were not Democrats. They were Republicans. They couldn't have that happening. He was in D.C., and he was messing up their deal. You know, that thing that had evolved, our government had become, which was top-down, no longer the bottom-up, you know, the American people speaking, and our government— listening to what we said it became a bureaucracy of a bunch of heavily power junkied up elected officials and many bureaucrats and they long ago adopted the attitude we know what's best for you we know what's better for america than anybody could possibly know so we're just going to handle it all from here in washington and then biden becomes president and, folks, basically, what the Biden administration has done in the White House, Department of Justice, and in the State Department is just pull out the Constitution, and I'm speaking figur- uh, figuratively, and just take it in their hands and shred it in half and said, We're not going to abide by this anymore. So, we have what they tell us they know about 1.7 million illegal aliens. We have no clue where they are across the United States. We do know a bunch of them that came in had COVID-19. How do we know that? They weren't tested under the Biden administration at the border. They weren't tested at all. No requirements to this day for testing at the southern border. Almost 2 million people. They're not making people that come into this nation illegally that are here and getting here. They committed a crime. A federal crime. They're not making those people abide by the laws of the United States. But you and I, we have to. And some of the stuff they're cramming down our throats, it's very obvious. You just heard Jennifer Ravain and Shelley Maturin tell us about a story there. There's no law. Listen to this, folks. There is no law that requires any American to be vaccinated for anything. There's none in place. There's not a regulation. Even those that we hear coming out of OSHA, it's not final. There's a whole bureaucratic process it must go through before it can become final. And all these sycophants in D.C., they know that. Joe Biden knew it was almost an absolute that any vaccine mandate that he would issue in any way, either through an executive order as president or through OSHA, which is the one that you just heard a whole lot about, is being tested in many, many ways from many, many entities. They knew that that wasn't going to stand. But rather than let the American governing process work out, the one that has worked so effectively in large part for 260 years, they couldn't wait for that to work the way it's supposed to work and has so effectively. So they said, look, we're going to scare the people to death. We're going to tell them we're going to shove this down their throats or fire them. And we're not going to tell them, oh, by the way, we're going to do this. The OSHA is going to put out this regulation and they're going to publish it. But it's going to take experts tell me, at least a year to two before the OSHA regulation could go into effect, even if it goes through the entire court system, even the United States Supreme Court, and is considered by all these courts to be valid. Now, most Americans didn't know that, but you know who knows that? Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, all nine justices in the U.S. Supreme Court— But they can't insert themselves until cases go through the lengthy, elaborate, exhausting process. By that time, Biden thinks, and I'm sure there was a conversation or two in the Oval Office about this, by that time, we'll have everybody vaccinated and it'll be too late. The saddest thing about all this is not that they're doing this. And this is not a conspiracy, folks. This is happening as you and I are speaking and listening today, right now. 700,000 people listening to this show right now, principally because of their knowledge that we were having Shelly and Jennifer on this show to tell the firsthand story. That's a lot of folks that are really worried and concerned. We still don't know the facts about any of the three COVID-19 vaccines. And before the show is over, we're not even an hour into it. We're only 45 minutes into the show. Before the show ends at 11 o'clock Central this morning, we're going to give you some stories, some specifics, documented stories that will make it absolutely positively clear to you what we're being told by the so-called medical experts, By the so called political pundits that know everything, all of the people they push out for us and say, You got to believe what these people say. Before this show is over, if you stay in, and I know you're in the middle of a morning, a business day morning, and it's a big deal, but if you'll stay with us, you're going to find out. We don't know exactly for sure what the truth for the reasoning behind all this is. We have our suspicions but you're going to be darn certain that what you've heard, what you've been told, and what you heard from Jennifer and Shelly verify there is something going on. There is something underhanded in the making. What, when, who, and how, that's still up for grabs. But you know what we do here at Truth News Network? We look under every rock. We spend more time in research here. My wife will tell you, I spend my life with my nose reading, looking, finding, seeking. Everybody is on the same page with that. And you know what happens when you do that? You find a lot of facts. And we've got more of those just ahead. Sit tight.
0: Your daily dose of the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. The following is an important time insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right, the clock is not ticking. What? Take a four pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $479, now just $299. But act now, or, la- or later, because these staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts, like a two pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $479, now just $299, and Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $229 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry! These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest staples, whenever it's convenient, and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you.
1: Looking forward to the weekend starting today, tonight, taking all but two of our grandchildren down to South Louisiana to Lafayette, my hometown, for a high school football playoff game. And boy, the perfect's going to be, the weather's going to be perfect. It's going to be chilly, a fall chilly day. That's a great atmosphere for high school football and playoff atmosphere makes it even better. In the middle of all of that, folks, there are a lot of people around us in your world and mine that are really, really struggling to get to the bottom of all of these problems and get the answers. Let me tell you something. I don't. I don't know if you were with us when we talked about the uh, case count and the death count and the percentages at nations around the world. We don't hear a lot about other nations. Now they'll throw in regarding all conversations about COVID nineteen some top level. You know, maybe numbers coming out of places like Israel, which is the most vaccinated country on the planet based upon percentages of uh, population. You'll hear about that. You don't hear much about China. You hear nothing about Malaysia. Malaysia. Do you know the heaviest and the highest populated nation on earth with Muslims? Do you know what that country is? I always thought it had to be someplace like Iraq or Iran or Syria Egypt, someplace in the Middle East. It's not. It's Indonesia. Indonesia has several hundred million people that live there. I did not know that either. But let me tell you quickly, if you weren't here before, a story coming out of Indonesia. They have hardly any deaths from COVID-19. In the very early going, they did something that the United States government and the governments of most other Western nations refused to do. They looked internally, and not to the political experts on medicine in their countries. They looked to the actual medical professionals, to the doctors scattered across Indonesia. Now, let me tell you what they did. These doctors, and maybe it's because there are not all of the bureaucratic, checks and balances that we have here with the FDA, oversight with agencies like that. But they did some rapid experimentation of the drugs that were on the market or available at that particular time to treat, that could be used to treat COVID-19. And one of them bounced to the top. In fact, the very first time I heard the name of this medication, it came from a story out of Indonesia, ivermectin, ivermectin. So we won't go into all the dirty stuff that's happened regarding the use of ivermectin here in the United States. Oh, it's horrible. It kills people. It's never been approved by the FDA for anything. There's no proof. There's no lab test that prove anything. Do you know that the mortality rate in Indonesia for COVID-19, throwing in every demographic, every group of people, even the ones that have those contributing decisions that could help lead them toward COVID-19 death if they are exposed to the virus. Throw all those in. You know what the mortality rate in Indonesia is? It's less than 2%. Now, that's everybody thrown in. And in young people, people, it's a 99.99% chance you're not going to die, period. Is that because they're superhumans or something like that? No. Let me tell you what the Indonesian government did. They listened to the leading doctors in their nation. And those doctors had done some research into that drug, ivermectin. They knew before the American people knew. We heard ivermectin a long time before we heard the truth about it. Do you know it's been in existence for years? And it's been used very effectively for a multitude of diseases. In fact... They say it wasn't approved by the FDD. It was. In fact, in 2015, folks, the people who invented it won the Nobel Peace Prize, excuse me, the Nobel Prize for medicine. (laughs) But it's no good, they tell us over here. And so this, we go down the conspiracy road. I'm not going to go there. I'm just telling you, and you know this, hospitals here, refuse to give ivermectin for COVID-19 patients. And when they refuse health care folks to people, it's against a lot of federal laws, all the way up to the U.S. Constitution, regarding a person's medical condition and treatment. Let me tell you a story. This one just blows my mind. In Illinois Hospital, they defied an emergency court order over last weekend. They refused to allow this hospital. They refused to allow an unvaccinated outside physician to give the drug ivermectin to a COVID-19 patient who was dying while he was being treated with very expensive remdesivir before finally relenting after being scolded by a judge. Some other hospitals have been ordered by courts to allow the drug to be used as well. So the legal fight in the Illinois state court system comes as studies continue on the effectiveness of ivermectin in treating COVID. Remdesivir, by the way, has been given emergency use authorization only by the FDA for treating certain categories of patients that are hospitalized with COVID. A man named Sun G, age 71, was visiting the U.S. from Hong Kong to celebrate his granddaughter's first birthday. And while he was here, he caught COVID-19. He was hospitalized at Edward Hospital in Naperville, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago, on October 14th. He got worse, dramatically worse. He was intubated and placed on a ventilator just a couple of days later. That's all part of hospital protocol for every hospital in the nation. Well, Ji's daughter, Man Quan Ji, holds a doctorate in mechanical engineering. She did her own research. She found out she decided her father should get ivermectin, which some medical doctors believe is potentially effective against COVID. But against the daughter's wishes, the hospital refused to give her dad the drug and even denied access to a physician that was willing to come to the hospital to administer it. The daughter, who has a little thing that gives you the ability to make decisions for others, a power of attorney, she has one to make medical decisions on her father's behalf. So she hired a Chicago law firm, which is handling ivermectin litigation across the U.S. An attorney named Kirsten Erickson said the case is about a daughter who wants to save her dad's life. Ivermectin has been highly effective and used in humans for 30 years this doctor this attorney said resistance to its use is because it's not part of the quote standard care of hospitals they've given him the treatment they give at the hospital which is remdesivir and it didn't work it was ineffective and he's been on the vent for about 3 weeks now she said what i've learned in these cases is that ivermectin costs between a dollar and three dollars a pill, where Remdesivir is three thousand dollars a dose. There could be some financial backing here, politically, the lawyer said, and other things motivating it. I don't know what it is. So the daughter, and the lawyer, went to court on her father's behalf on November first. Judge Paul Fullerton of the Circuit Court of DuPage County in Illinois granted a TRO, a temporary restraining order, requiring the hospital to allow ivermectin to be given to her dad. The daughter, who's an only child, by the way, had been denied access to her father, but at some point the same week, the hospital said it was okay for her to see her father. Although the hospital had been claiming the patient was doing well, it was clear he was not. So the daughter took a picture of her desperately ill father, On November 4th, we're talking about eight days ago, and showed the graphic photograph to the judge to drive home the need for a new treatment plan. So what happens then? The judge says, we got to have a hearing. At an evidentiary hearing before Fullerton on the next day, November 5, it was pointed out that the preliminary injunction that the daughter was looking for was an extraordinary remedy and the judge said he agreed. I can't think of a more extraordinary situation than when we're talking about a man's life, the judge said. "G was admitted October 14th. He went on a respirator about October 18th. There is no dispute from the testimony of the doctors, this is the judge, that his risk of dying is over 50%. One doctor testified that someone in G's situation which the judge described as basically on his deathbed has only a 10 to 15% chance of living. Ivermectin is not an FDA-approved judge, uh, drug. That's what the judge said. In fact, ivermectin is approved for human use by the FDA, but it's never been specifically approved to use against COVID-19. Certain formulations of ivermectin are approved in the U.S. to treat or prevent parasites in animals. For humans, ivermectin tablets are approved at very specific doses to treat some parasitic worms and other ailments. And that's from the FDA's website, folks. Although currently available data not showing ivermectin is effective against COVID-19, there are clinical human trials in progress. Ivermectin can have minor side effects like dizziness, itchy skin, maybe diarrhea at the doses suggested for Mr. G. But the risk of these side effects are so minimal that Mr. G.'s current situation outweighs the risk by 100 fold. So, what did the judge do? November 5th, a preliminary injunction directing the hospital to immediately allow temporary emergency privileges to G's physician, uh, Dr. Alan Bain. Solely, the only reason, is to administer ivermectin to this patient. Bain has treated many COVID patients with ivermectin. When he was asked if it was responsible for saving the life of a specific patient he had successfully treated, he said this in June, I believe it had a very strong impact. It was a good addition to everything else. Ivermectin is a real deal. So even though the judge issued this order, guess what the hospital did? They did nothing. November 6th goes by. November 7th goes by. Denying Bain, this doctor, the court had said, let him go in. They wouldn't even let the doctor go see Mr. G. The hospital claimed it could not let Bain in because he was not vaccinated against COVID and that its chief medical officer was not available to proctor Bain administering ivermectin. Does all this sound eerily familiar to you? It's not over yet. The doctor's lawyers filed an emergency report with the court early the next day, November 8th, and Fullerton, the judge, heard briefly from both sides. He admonished the hospital and restated it must allow Dr. Bain inside over a period of 15 days to do his job. When the hospital filed a motion to stay that order, This is crazy, folks. The judge denied it, again, telling the hospital, comply with this or else. So Erickson, the attorney, said, son G is already improving, and guess with what? Ivermectin. G passed a 60-minute breathing test that two days earlier he could only tolerate for five minutes. Now, this is all happening since the 8th of November. Late in the day, the 8th of November. There's been improvement already. We're hoping for full recovery and expect it as soon as possible. The attorney, Erickson, she said she hoped Fullerton's ruling will encourage hospitals to modify their COVID protocols to incorporate more innovative drugs like ivermectin so that more lives are saved we hear this one. We hear about this one. How many others do we not hear about? Because mainstream media are in the pockets of everybody far left, from the Biden White House, Biden administration on down. We know that. They are little more than mouthpieces. We live in the United States of America. This nation is responsible for a huge percentage of the medical innovations that have happened since we've been the United States of America. If you've spent any, any time at all in other parts of the world, I've spent not a lot, but a significant amount of time in Europe and in Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia, by the way, Malaysia specifically, their healthcare, there is phenomenal and it's phenomenal here's what people don't understand. When you make fun of all the doctors in the United States that obviously are from that part of the world because of their names, they have funny names. You know what they do here? They go through our universities. They get all of this information, this this education that our doctors, our natives here get when they go. But they go back to their nations. A lot of them. Some of them stay here. But m- uh, most of them go back to their nations in Asia and they bring the education that they got, but they didn't bring back the stupid bureaucratic requirements and thought process that allow that to get locked down in health care. Yeah, some bad things can happen in medicine if it's not done correctly. But folks, bureaucracy in the United States is no longer our answer for everything, though that's what we are told almost every day. When you back away from the mainstream narrative of not just news, but of our politicians, and I'm not talking about just Democrats. I'm not at all. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I am a registered independent in the state of Louisiana. Why? Because I don't vote for a political party. There's no lever that says Democrat or a lever that says independent or another lever that says GOP or Republican. I don't have that here. I vote for the person that's running for whatever office I am voting for and I ch- I choose who those people are by investigating not so much where they speak but where they live with their lives. What they say is just a starting point, and it hasn't been that way for generations. Maybe the last two, maybe even the third, I don't know, since World War II maybe. We've got to get more inquisitive. We've got to stop taking everything we hear from those who are somehow anointed, maybe in medicine, maybe in politics, maybe in corporate America. Just because somebody says something is so, It doesn't necessarily make it so. And the opposite of that is true. Just because somebody says something is wrong, that doesn't automatically make it wrong just because they say it. How do we find those things? Ask questions. Investigate. Look. Find the facts for yourself as best as you can. Look what's happening right now to Jennifer and Jason Ravain in Kenner, Louisiana. Boy, it's a great city, great town. New Orleans has got a lot of outlying suburbs that are wonderful. I've spent a lot of time there. I'm a South Louisiana native, and I love NOLA. I love New Orleans. But look at what they're living with right now. Yeah, I hope all three of the COVID-19 vaccinations are good, and there's nothing bad in them, nothing with long-term effects. Based upon the science that I find, That is not likely a 100% thing. It's not even likely to be a 90% sure thing. There is a whole lot of stuff that are included in these vaccines that even people at the research level in medicine in the U.S. don't know, and when they find some of this stuff, they don't understand what or why it's in there. Jason's got this flooding through his veins. Many people that are listening in right now have as well. This is not a fear thing, that's not what it's about, it's just to get facts with which to make determinations for our, our families. And the latest top of the news on pretty much everything, COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Even in corporate America, Intel, you know who that is, the big chip maker company, they told its employees that it will, starting on January 4th, require employees to be fully vaxxed against COVID or to get a medical or religious exemption, which, by the way, the United States government, military, corporate uh, corporated USA, they don't accept, they don't approve any medical or religious exemptions for anybody in the U.S. military. Intel, they're stepping it up a little bit. Intel moves to comply with the Biden administration's federal contractor mandate. The staff message from the chipmaker, Intel, which is Oregon's biggest employer, was cited by Willamette Week and the Oregonian, with the news outlet reporting that the memo indicates Intel is imposing the mandate because of the federal vaccine mandate for government contractors. As it has done throughout the pandemic, Intel will continue to comply with all government requirements in the countries in which it operates. That's what a spokesman from Intel said. You know about Biden on September 9th. He announced his vaccine mandates for federal workers, federal contractors, and most healthcare staff. I'm going to repeat what I said a few minutes ago, folks. None of that. None of that is in force. There is no requirement yet by the federal government for any vaccine mandate. It's unenforceable. Now, what does that mean in normal circumstances? People would back away in the government and would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We went to the courts and the courts agree with us and they don't agree with you. The Biden administration basically gave the Justice Department, I'm talking about the fifth The federal Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans gave them the middle finger. So we don't care what you said. We're going to go ahead and continue to require vaccine mandates in contravention of the second most powerful courts in the United States. That takes a lot of um, thinking of a word I can say. Chutzpah. I was going to say something else, but I won't. They don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about the division of power between the three branches of the United States government constitutionally established. There is no provision in the US Constitution to even have an OSHA department, yet alone give OSHA the power to force vaccinations. It's unconstitutional. <laughs> Yet this administration continues to thumb its nose at you and me. But boy, are they getting some pushback. Did you hear about this? A top infectious disease doctor raised an alarm about the vaccine mandates despite the top federal officials recommending them for businesses, for schools, and institutions. This doctor, Dr. Matthew Mamoli, Runs a clinical studies unit within, guess what? The National Institutes of Health's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And you know who the big boss there is? Dr. Fauci. One of his employees, Dr. Matthew Mamoli, he's having problems with the mandate. So Mamoli is scheduled to argue against COVID vaccine mandates during a December 1st seminar hosted by the agency. You can imagine, this is true. This doctor, he talked to the Wall Street Journal. Here's what he said. There's a lot of debate within the National Institutes of Health about whether a vaccine mandate is appropriate. It's an important, hot topic. Mamoli, we find out, had told Fauci in a July 30th email that he believes... The way we are using the vaccines is wrong, adding that mandated vaccines are extraordinarily problematic. So in comments to the Wall Street Journal, Momoli said he supports COVID-19 vaccination in high-risk groups, including obese people and the very elderly. However, widespread vaccinations for people who have a low risk of death or severe illness from covid could hamper the U.S. population's ability to develop more robust protection against the virus through previous infections. A CDC study released last month suggested that those who had a previous COVID infection saw a five times higher chance of testing positive than those who were fully vaccinated and never had COVID-19. That's one little snippet of a study. There are other studies that say the exact opposite is true. They just don't know. Dr. Jeffrey Klossner, who previously held a study that suggested people with natural immunity are at low risk of infection, said that the CDC's research was observational and said that randomized controlled clinical trials are the gold standard of medical evidence. And that's what Mimoli was referencing. Dr. Mimoli also told the Wall Street Journal he has sought an exemption from the federal vaccine mandate, a personal one, on religious grounds. He said he's willing to risk his job and medical license for the right not to receive a COVID-19 vaccination. Can you believe we're at this point when some of the most educated people on Earth, on the planet, not just in the U.S., our medical professionals, our doctors, our research doctors. Many of them, in fact, I would say 40 to 50% of our frontline healthcare workers don't want the vaccination, or at least they don't want it yet, while the book is still out on contents and adverse effects. And there are a bunch of adverse effects that go along with all of these three vaccines that are being given here. If you're not a regular listener, you may have missed out on some information. You probably didn't know the CDC once a week, they have a report that they published. It's called the VAERS report, V-A-E-R-S. And what that stands for is VAERS COVID Vaccine Adverse Event Reports. And they tell us up front, they tell us on their own website, that these numbers are just some unknown percentage of the actual numbers that represent these adverse reactions in these reports. That it could be 10 to even 100 times more because not all adverse event reports are turned in. So as of October 29th, the last report they published, they run about two weeks behind. There'll be another one that comes out this Friday. Here are the numbers of Adverse reactions in the kind that they are reporting to us. From January through October 29th, 18,078 people have died as a direct result of the vaccinations. 88,910 hospitalizations. 95,954 additional urgent care visits. 133,973 doctor office visits, 7,844 cases of anaphylaxis, 10,721 Bell's palsy cases, 2,786 miscarriages, 8,878 heart attacks, 11,449 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis. Billy Graham's son, he just had heart surgery. You know what his heart surgery was for? Pericarditis. He was vaccinated. January to October 29th, 28,112 permanently disabled the medicine because of the COVID-19 vaccine. 4,123 cases of thrombocytopenia, which is low platelet counts, 20,111 life-threatening occurrences, 32,851 severe allergic reactions, and even 10,124 cases of the shingles. All at the hands of just the vaccination. If you want to put that into historical perspective, from 1991 to December 31st of last year, we're talking about 30 years basically, the CDC began keeping these VARES numbers in combination on every type of vaccination given to our kids and to adults in the United States. All of those occurrences that happened from 1991 to December 30th of 2020. The total number of deaths at the hands of the vaccinations themselves, a little over 1,900. January 1 to December 29th, this year alone, 18,078. Something's not right. What it is that's not right, I have no idea. But what are we supposed to do as intellectual beings? We're supposed to look at things and when the facts that are all part of what these occurrences are, when they don't seem to add up the correct number, we begin to dig deep and find out what the facts are, why all of these numbers don't add up. And typically, as Americans, in science especially, we find the the reasoning. And then we change what we're doing because we want to change the outcome. What have we told you here over and over again? (laughs) Nothing changes if nothing changes you got problems on any front in your life and you want it changed? If you don't change anything, nothing's going to change about the problem. I know a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Facts are facts. The truth, there's no such thing as your truth and my truth. What that really is is your opinion In my opinion, yeah, yours may be right sometime and mine may be wrong, but we need to stop thinking that just because we think something is true or is right, that doesn't just because we think it is, that doesn't make it so. (laughs) We got a long way to go. Let me tell you what, we're not through here either. More of this, and we've got, I want you to hear from Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar, what they have to say about something on the front stage in America today. They're up next at TNN Live.
0: We're outside
3: Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there?
0: Yeah, they can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. New home ownership can be a real eye opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com/workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com/workshops. Tan to the ten to ten to the ten. to the to the to the Fitness, Through the use of motivating montage music has made it easy to join. Just remember 10 10 10. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry. You only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. Whether holding down the fort, or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks. Just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And source are some other snacks, like creamy yogurt covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and some made new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sun made snacks. In a world where a president can be censored by social media in his own country, You need a break from the madness. Your doctor of sanity again, Dan Newman. And
1: before we get right back to things and leave this COVID-19 vaccination mandate thing, a story popped out early this morning I want to bring to you. COVID-19 vaccine mandates means a big worker shortage across the board. It means an expected rise in demand. It's poised to create a perfect storm that could derail air traffic in the coming months. President Biden's vaccine mandate for federal employees is going to affect the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. Folks, they run every airport in North America. They're there. They have to be there to regulate flights. In addition, mandates for airlines have already led to some firings and resignations and could lead to more. We're headed into Thanksgiving in December. Do you Have you ever traveled during Thanksgiving and December season? Oh my gosh, it's a freaking nightmare. Everybody wants to go see Grandma and Grandpa. We're so blessed as grandparents, Marianne and I, all of our grandkids live right here in town. That's amazing. Now, our son and his wife live in Dallas-Fort Worth and they don't have any children, but we have six grandkids. We're with them all the time but that's not normally the case for everybody in the U S so everybody gets back together, especially during holiday seasons, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I got to be honest with you. If I had something I had to do somewhere in the continental United States during the holidays, I would, I would literally find a way to drive to it or I'd reschedule it. I, 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 if you've never been held in it, airport hostage over whatever reason, flight delays, flight cancellations, weather airports today in America, especially they're not built to make it comfortable for anybody that's in that terminal period. I don't care who you are. It's just no fun to have to sit in a strange city. And if you, I've actually spent a night in an airport in Denver because of a snowstorm, of all things. It happened a long time ago. The only bright spot in it, for me, was um, I met a famous singer that was in the, uh, the terminal experiencing the same thing that we were experiencing, Barbara Streisand. She was one of my heroes back then. She's no longer one of my heroes anyway. I guess there can be some good that comes with some bad. But travel is going to be a nightmare starting in a couple of weeks for Thanksgiving. So what else is happening? Well, this case that's going on up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, you know who it, it's about, Kyle Rittenhouse. His name has become an everyday everyday word. If you don't know the story, when the Black Lives Matter, they decided to um, peacefully protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year. As happens Almost every time Black Lives Matter put something together, their peaceful protest got out of hand. It became violent. And it drew a big, big crowd of people coming in from out of town. And it was, it was horrible. You remember the video on television reports. It was the city burning, people getting hurt, beat up, burned down, businesses burned down, literally will never come back. And there was a lot of back and forth, people carrying guns, people getting in people, other people's faces. And this kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, 17 years old at the time, he was there. And I've got to say this. I own an AR-15. I'm a concealed carry permit holder. uh, I'm a strong Second Amendment advocate. And I don't arm myself. Nobody in my family arms themselves because they don't and I don't like other people or any other. It has nothing to do with that. I carry a gun and I'm a second amendment holder and believer in the freedom to defend myself. I do that because I love the people that are with me in my house. It has nothing to do with anybody else. As long as everybody else is okay, abides by the law, and doesn't infringe upon my rights or attack me or any family member, I'm going to leave them alone. I wish them the best. And most Americans feel the same way. Kyle Rittenhouse is one of those people that feels that way. So in all of the craziness that was going on and people were getting violent against each other, he was there carrying this AR-15 and in the middle of it, a lot of extenuating circumstances He ended up shooting three people. Two of died. And, of course, because it was a Black Lives Matter reaction and because he was white and there were a lot of African Americans that were involved in all of the chaos that was going on because Black Lives Matter was sponsoring this protest, it turned immediately into a racial thing. And for months now awaiting trial, he was charged with murder. I think there are six counts against him for various charges. The trial's going on now, has been the last week. It's been very, very public. He testified on his own behalf, I guess, day before yesterday. And he broke down during his testimony. And he broke down not because, according to him, he did anything wrong. He acted in self-defense. That's his plea, his response. Well, mainstream media for months has taken that, and they just ran with it. They don't care about the evidence in the case. None of them bothered to look at it. Nobody saw the stuff that was filed in the court, the evidence that was recorded and put in the record before the trial ever began. Nobody bothered to do that. You know, real journalists, they don't bother with that kind of stuff anymore. So when the evidence and the testimony of the expert witnesses, who, by the way, were called by the prosecutors, They were there enforcing the state's murder charges against Kyle Rittenhouse. So you would think they would pack the evidence with those that had firsthand testimony, and you would think that those attorneys would have had meetings with these um, witnesses before the trial took place, but evidently they didn't because the expert witnesses that they brought in, the ones that were on-site firsthand witnesses, when they were questioned under oath, their perceptions of what happened were that Kyle Rittenhouse was and did act in self-defense. One of those witnesses, Kyle Rittenhouse shot him. And we've covered that story pretty exhaustively the last few days. So it is imminent. The defense rested yesterday. It looks like the trial is going to go to the jury early next week. And based on the testimony, that happened over the last week that was televised internationally. People on the left are going crazy because it appears he did act in self-defense, which would mean he probably is not going to be convicted of at least murder. And they cannot stand that. CNN anchor Don Lemon yesterday during the handoff from his compadre at CNN, Chris Cuomo, Lemon said that Kenosha County Circuit Court Judge Bruce Schroeders, the judge's behavior during the Rittenhouse murder trial is grounds for a mistrial. And Lemon asked Chris Cuomo, can we talk about the judge? And here's what he said, quote, I've been sitting back watching as a layperson, just kind of watching this, watching this, watching this. I think the legal analysts, because they are legal analysts, and want to keep their composure, and they pay deference to the judge. He's ridiculous. His antics are absolutely ridiculous. And today, Chris, saying that someone who writes for a biased publication who has been favorable to Kyle Rittenhouse, who has spoken out against Black Lives Matter, that that should not be brought in so the jurors can't make up their own minds about what is bias and what is not and what is relevant, And what is not? Lemon went through. He added, for me, I don't think it works that way legally. But that's cause for a mistrial. What are you doing? This guy may be legally, he is right about things. I've been listening to the legal folks, but certainly his demeanor, the way he speaks to the prosecution, the way he looks at Kyle Rittenhouse, like he's his grandson. I mean, come on, America. Lemon concluded. I hear right-wing pundits make him out to be this choir boy, like he's some sort of hero. Okay, he is a young kid. He's misguided. I'll give him that. Maybe he was defending his life. I'll give him that. But to go across state lines with an illegal AR-15 weapon, by the way, it wasn't illegal, and insert himself into a situation that has nothing to do with him, and you're going to make him a hero? That's outside the courtroom. That is public opinion. But in the courtroom, how can anybody say the judge is not biased and leaning in a certain direction? So what Lemon is referring to about the judge, on two different occasions, the prosecutor, lawyers that are prosecuting, district attorney, state attorney, I'm not sure which one they are. But they got up, and they were saying things, and when I heard them say things, and I didn't listen to much of the trial, but I did listen to some of it. When I hear some of the stuff they said, I, I I thought, wait a minute, I'm not an attorney, but that doesn't that doesn't sound right. That doesn't make sense. And the judge corrected them very calmly, as you often see in criminal trials, you see the judge will just bring a point a point of order or whatever to one of the attorneys, defense or the prosecutors. He did that several times. But at one point, this prosecutor just went crazy off record regarding evidence and stuff that the jury's sitting there. They don't need to hear because it has nothing to do with evidence in the trial. So the judge stopped the trial. He told the bailiff to remove the jury. And then when they left the room, the judge just weighed into this attorney who got in the judge's face. And folks, I checked with a attorney that is familiar with that looked in and saw that, and he said, It doesn't matter in Wisconsin or in Louisiana or Texas, that particular point of law is the point of law, and that attorney should be censored for what he tried to do with the jury sitting there. Lemon, of course, is not an attorney either, but he is a very famous talk show host. He has at least 27 people that watch his show internationally every night. I'm exaggerating. It may be 25. But there's not a big audience for CNN, and he is not well thought of by most Americans who are in the news. But just be, this illustrates what we were talking about earlier in the show, in our first hour. This illustrates how many on the left operate and think. Because they think something, that means that's the way it is. And so it's not just Don Lemon, and it's not just Chris Cuomo. It's about a bunch of other people. And there are another couple of uh, brain surgeons on television. And I think you know who I'm talking about. I mentioned Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg on The View. So yesterday, after they apparently watched a little bit of the trial, to begin their show, Whoopi started it off, but then Joy weighed in. Here's their synopsis of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and what must happen to Kyle Rittenhouse. Emotions ran high at the Kyle Rittenhouse trial when he broke down
2: while describing how he was just acting in self-defense. When he brandished an AR-15 style rifle at a Black Lives Matter protest before shooting
3: three people and killing two of them. Take a look. Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side. um, And I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski. And there were.
0: (laughs) There were three people right there.
3: People were screaming. And I just was trying to get to the police running down Sheridan Road. And you say I'm trying to get to the police. Why were you trying to get to the police?
0: So I didn't do anything wrong. I defended myself. Oh, baloney. (laughs) What did you think of the testimony? Well, I know what
4: you thought, Joy. But (laughs) what the rest of you think goes this Yeah.
2: I mean, from what I'm gleaning from this case, the guy goes across state lines with an AR-15 with his mother and some other idiot in the car, to defend himself against what? They're having a protest in another state and he takes it upon himself to go there. You know, and then he says it's self-defense. No. And that, that acting job of the crying, I can't even look at it. Well, this is the... <laughs> that is one of the worst
4: acting jobs I've ever seen.
2: Well, this is the problem with self deputizing regular citizens. If you want to defend something or you want to, you need to be trained and you need to go be in law enforcement or you need to be in the military. It is not up to the average citizen to take it upon themselves to arm themselves with an AR 15 of all weapons and go somewhere where you know there is, is a lot of people and there's stuff going on. That's not going to end well. It's the same reason why when we look at Texas and these abortion laws and everything, I do not right now in this day and age trust my fellow citizen to arm up and decide what I'm doing right or wrong. Do not empower people that way. And there's, there's two cases currently going on. The yes. Rittenhouse case and the Ahmad Arbery case where uh, regular citizens, private citizens took it upon themselves to act like vigilantes, the yes. ones that, you know, and people ended up dead. Look, he's, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse has become a hero to the right. I think yeah. that there's a lot of people who had a visceral reaction, uh, Seeing him testify, and obviously they put him on the on the stand to emote and to do this.
1: Obviously, obviously, I know what the intentions were, and if you didn't see it, that segment that you heard Kyle Rittenhouse break up, folks, he was just a kid. He was seventeen, and he cried. You, I, I'm not, I'm not an amazing uh, purveyor and understanding of personalities or what, but I know when a kid cries. I can tell the difference of one that is crying because they are absolutely ripped apart emotionally and one that's faking it. In my opinion, Kyle Rittenhouse was sincere. Now, that has no bearing whatsoever on whether or not he's guilty of the crimes with which he's charged. Emotion and a couple of former comedians, both Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar were professional comedians, and in the case of Whoopi Goldberg, she was also an actress. Neither one of them, in my knowledge, are attorneys, but yet they have got Kyle Rittenhouse tried, convicted, and sentenced to death, as have numerous other people across the United States, not based upon the evidence, not based upon the actual trial proceedings, but based on the political narrative that's been touted for a year by mainstream media about Kyle Rittenhouse. And there's one other person that has weighed in, pretty much in the same way Whoopi and Joy and uh, Don Lemon of CNN have. The President of the United States. Without looking at any evidence, without knowing anything other than three people were shot, two died... And Kyle Rittenhouse is a white guy, and he had an AR-15. That's the only thing most Americans knew about it, as a matter of fact. And this guy, the President of the United States, when he was campaigning, he had it all figured out, folks. He made it very clear. The reason Kyle Rittenhouse was there in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the reason he carried a gun was absolutely because... He's a white supremacist. A white supremacist. Now, I can understand an average American that just looks on and sees what they look on and see in most of the news outlets or read about this case or any other case. But what I don't understand is anybody taking the little pieces that they're fed by people with partisan perspectives and using that to send somebody to prison for life or to prison at all or to the electric chair. Joy Behar, Whoopi Goldberg, and the other sick events on The View, that's how they roll. That's what they do. Now let me throw in another little tidbit before we take our last break. And we're not through. We've got content running out the nose. I need you to stick with me through the break. I'm going to add this one thing about Kenosha, Wisconsin. You know how many people were arrested during the BLM riots there? 170. 170 people in total were arrested. Oh, Let me challenge you. Go to the internet and do a search. Of the 170 people that were arrested in Kenosha for this violence, how many were black, how many were white? Guess what I discovered when I spent 30 minutes looking for it? It's not in any single report. There's no racial breakdown. What is true and what is uncontroverted of those 170 people that were arrested, 151 of them are not from Kenosha. Most of them are not from Wisconsin. Guess who those people were? Political operatives that were there to do exactly what was going on. Fortunately, none of them that I know of got in a gun battle. I don't know that for a fact. I'm assuming that because I would have thought we would have heard about it. Novel idea. And this applies to the president of the United States, every judge, every attorney... Every American, why don't we all just make one little bitty tiny commitment? Let's abide with on a personal, professional, and political level. Let's abide with all of the provisions in every federal law that's passed by Congress, signed into law by a president. Every one of them, every one of them. Well, we don't. Lie. we don't think those are all fair, Dan. We don't want to have to live with those. Novel idea. There are very easy processes that are put in place constitutionally and and in federal statute that have been passed by those we asked to go to D.C. to represent us, members of the U.S. Congress. And there are very easy provisions in all of those regulations to do what? Amend laws, throw out laws, make new laws. Until that happens... Those very same people that are standing up and screaming, don't enforce the laws, are the ones that took an oath. One hand on the Bible, one raised in the air that says, I'm going to go and work and do exactly what the people in my district and my state have elected me to do, and I'm going to abide by and support wholeheartedly the rule of law and the United States Constitution. I got to think, I doubt very seriously if either Whoopi Goldberg or Joy Behar are running for office anytime soon. Thank God.
0: A divorce
3: lawyer should be more than just a lawyer.
4: Divorce is like no other
3: experience, especially
0: for guys. At Cordell & Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys
4: of Cordell & Cordell.
0: We are advisors and advocates for men before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell & Cordell, a partner men can count. To
3: schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at cordellcordell.com. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are. And we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. <sniffs> Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel 6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you.
0: So the left has the squad. There isn't enough beer to hold
1: to watch what happens next. You are the Army of Truth. TNN, yeah. the Truth News Network. I think the only thing that would have made all this raw going on about the rule of law, the legislation that's pending, would be if we had the Democrat Party, Nancy Pelosi and company, pushing out to the forefront to speak to the world every day. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, she's a delight to me. Um, I'm not worried about her in any way. I think it's very revealing who she really is and what she thinks. No different from me or you folks. What's the Bible say about it? If you want to know what somebody is, who they are and what they think and feel, just listen to them talk. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's God saying that. That's not me saying that. So what does that mean? Well, when you hear me talk here at TNN Live or when you know me and talk to me one-on-one or even in a crowd, you can pretty much listen to what I say almost all the time. When I'm joking around and kidding or telling jokes, that doesn't necessarily mean that's automatically what I believe or what I think, but you can get in context from interacting with somebody, listening to what they say. You can find out really who those people are. From the abundance of the heart, that's what we say. That tells us a lot about people in politics today, and that's not a good thing. I guess basically it is because we're finding out in many cases who these people really are by what they're doing and saying now, especially when you put most of it in a stark contrast with what they have said and done in their past. And a lot of that, or most of that, is 180 degrees away from what we're seeing and hearing today. There was some bad news that came out this morning from the U.S. Labor Department. They said this morning that 4.4 million people quit their jobs last month. 4.4 million. You know how that is in context with the total number of em- employed people? That's 3% of the nation's workforce. And up. one month. The previous month, 4.3 million quit. There were 10.4 million job openings, that's down from 10.6 in August, which was revised even higher. Those numbers point to a historic level of turmoil in our job market. And where's that coming from? Newly empowered workers quit jobs. Why? Sometimes to take higher pay that is now being dangled by increasingly desperate employers. Employers can't find people to go to work and they're enticing a bunch of people. You need to, you need to ask your employers or former employers to pay you more. And who's started that far? Joe Biden in his campaign. What'd he do whispering in the microphone? What Joe doesn't understand, because he's never been in business, he's always been in politics in his career, no matter what he says that he changes when he talks about his storied past, so much knowledge garnered from being such a wide, diverse, and intellectual person that he is, he doesn't know squat about how to run a business. Folks, you don't raise your cost of doing business without finding some place to get that money from that you're having to pay when you have to pay more for the goods and services that you provide. You know, the reason people come to your company or to pay employees to work for you. And so what happens in a free market system, not just here in the United States, but in any free market system, there's only two ways to impact a bottom line. But what is a bottom line? It's after all your revenue is added up. And then after all your expenses are added up, when you uh, subtract the amount of the expenses from the amount of revenue, whatever's left over there, that's your bottom line. And obviously, everybody that gets into business, every single person that does, you want to have a bottom line. You don't want it to be in brackets or with a big minus sign in front of it. So to keep from being in the negative, companies have to somehow balance out And the only way to impact that bottom line is to either raise revenue or reduce expenses or some combination of the two. So the political pressure from this administration and from Joe Biden when he was campaigning and other Democrats in the debates running up to the November election of 2020 was, we got to pay people more. We got to pay people more. You remember Joe Biden AOC and her gang, they preached minimum wage, $15 an hour, minimum wage, $15 an hour. AOC famously said, there is no way a family of four can live off of a salary of $12 an hour. I'm sure there are places on planet earth where that's not true, but I understand it in the United States. It doesn't, it just doesn't equal success. But what else I understand that AOC, who's never been in business herself, what she doesn't understand, Joe Biden doesn't understand, is minimum wage jobs were not created for people to make a career living in. Those minimum wage judges, uh, jobs have been to bring in young people, many people that are not even out of school yet, some that are just getting out, but to get them involved in the marketplace get them experience and knowledge and push them and promote them and hope that they have a drive to get more, do more, work harder, get better jobs instead of just sitting on their butts and being happy they're getting $12 an hour or whatever the wages they agree to work for. So the reason that 4.4 million quit, they didn't give us the percentages of how many went back to work. But they're telling us one of the reasons is because all these new job offers are dangling out there where companies are now beginning to pay more. Then what happens when they leave one job and go to another one? Two things. The original employer, many of them in the service industry. They can't provide the services that they could before if they can't replace those employees that leave. So they're going to lose revenue, which means they're going to lose the bottom line. And then what happens where these other employees that quit, when they quit to get these higher-paying jobs, they go there. All those companies are having to raise the cost of their goods and services to offset these new amounts they're having to pay more than they had been paying for employees. There is no vacuum in our economy, folks. Every decision that's made in business, it impacts every employer. Not just the employees, but every employer. And then, how do they get that extra money to make up the differences? They have to charge more. Who pays that more? We do. Maybe not directly to that company, but they sell their goods and services to other companies. They're having to raise their prices. Those companies that sell their goods and services to other companies, they have to raise their prices. And those companies end up being at the retail end of the chain, and they sell their goods and services that they paid more for to you and me. And guess what? We pay more. Nothing exists in the economy in a vacuum, it impacts everybody, and there's a cause and effect for every decision that's made. People in this administration. Don't understand that. I don't know of a single person at a senior level in the White House administration today, in the Biden administration, that has a background in business. I don't know a single one. I know almost every one of them to a person is a political professional. In other words, they've been in Washington, D.C. They've been working in a bureaucracy that learns and builds and grows and thrives not on what it does for the American people, for what it's able to accomplish for all of those who work within the political bureaucracy of the United States government. That's not government of, government by, and government for the people. That's government for government and those who work within it. You think things are tough now, I'm going to end this show today, and I'm going to tell you something that puts us in dire straits. Listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. A study that was released yesterday shows this this is staggering. The cost of Christmas cookie ingredients this holiday season could run Americans anywhere from $2.23 to $12.40 depending on where they live. Why? Food prices have risen substantially at grocery stores across the nation. Meal kit company HelloFresh, you've seen their advertising. They conducted a study that details the cost of a homemade batch of Christmas cookies. And they did this, this test in 60 different U.S. cities and territories ahead of the holiday season. The study examined prices of five key ingredients based on a preppy kitchen classic butter cookie recipe. Cost of baking soda, butter, eggs, flour, and sugar were assessed in each location included in the study. Combined prices of the ingredients in a particular location account for the cost to make a batch of 100 cookies in a specific city or territory. Now, I'm going to give you the numbers. Now, if you live in these towns or cities or regions, don't start crying The top 10 most expensive cities in U.S. territories to bake Christmas cookies. (laughs) According to HelloFresh's Christmas Cookie Price Index are these. Number one, drumroll, the most expensive, San Diego, $12.40. Burlington, Vermont, number two, $12.08. The Virgin Islands, $11.87. Los Angeles, $11.41. Salt Lake City. $11.40 eleven dollars and forty cents. Wilmington, Delaware, we're getting cheaper now, ten bucks. Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is a northeast suburb of Manhattan. Bridgeport, Connecticut, $9.92. Milwaukee, $9.79. Phoenix, $9.21. Detroit, Michigan, $9. So those are the most expensive. What about the most cost friendly places for these cookie ingredients purchases. Charleston, South Carolina 2 bucks 223. Charleston, West Virginia 290. American Samoa $3.10. Des Moines 413. Portland, Maine 462. Dallas, big city folks, only $4.76. Charlotte, North Carolina $4.92. Lincoln, Nebraska 497. Albuquerque $5 and a nickel. And Cleveland, $5.20. Now somebody tell me how to justify this one thing. In Cleveland, Ohio, which is not, it's the 10th in the most cost-friendly cities for these ingredients. Cleveland, Ohio is $5.20. And if you look at the ones that are most expensive, it costs more than twice as much to cook A dozen cookies, or a 100 per this this study, it costs more than twice as much in San Diego to make these cookies than it does in Cleveland, Ohio. Something's wrong, folks. (laughs) We got to get our Christmas cookies. We got to get that piece worked out. Hey, listen, I want to tell you, I I so appreciate you being with us today on the show. Let us hear from you. Tell us what you think. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. We'll keep you posted on what happens with that lawsuit, both of them. Jennifer and uh, Shelly shared with us today live on the show. If you want to get the whole show, go to Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, and do a search. Truth News Network.
4: She pick.